welcome to another edition of Linking the Travel Industry, where we discuss popular and interesting travel industry posts which appeared on LinkedIn during the last week. And occasionally we might talk about stories which appeared elsewhere. We absolutely welcome audience participation. So if you have a comment on any of the stories we discuss here today, please raise your hand and we'll get you on stage. My name is Rian and I'm one of your hosts today. I am the CEO of Agentivity, where we help travel management companies gain insight into and control of their businesses, as well as achieve scalable growth through the effective use of their data. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this LinkedIn event. My name is Anne, and I work as a consultant in the travel industry, and I'm associated with the brands of LeapShift and Extortech. Hi, everyone. My name is Ash, and I am the Vice President of Sales at Traxo. Additionally, I host a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel. And this is Linking the Travel Industry. So thank you for those joining us today on the live event. It's great to see some familiar faces in the audience. Um, the format of this discussion involves around the post that I normally do on a Friday, where I've picked some of the stories that stood out for me, and then we discuss them in a bit more detail. We did mention this last week, guys, but I didn't have it in the post, so I thought I'd add it for today. Um, the story about a wine airlines signing a deal with Amazon to operate some of their prime flights. I don't think there's much we need to discuss about it, but it's, it's good to know that's out there. It's always good to see an airline uh, innovate a bit in solid revenue there because I'm sure that's a good deal for them. And um, it's a fairly good thing to be operating uh, cargo over people, right, Anne? Absolutely. Uh, and we've seen throughout the pandemic how useful and financially lucrative it's been for airlines to move into the cargo space if they weren't already there in the first place. If Amazon starts selling travel one day, would we still need NDC? <laughs> oh, oh dear. No, the answer is no. Ash, the answer is no. <laughs> yes, actually. Um, the answer is no? Uh, Great. Well, they, they will no. see that as legacy tech, won't they, Anne? <laughs> uh, you know, let me get, come back to what I always say, Ash. I think that NDC <laughs> as a standard is, you know, it, that's it's really a good course. I mean, that's it's great that we can move towards a common standard, and it should uh, involve many more than, than airlines. It should involve hotels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we talked about this many times. And, and there's nothing bad working towards the standard. And actually welcoming Amazon into, into the family might actually prove to speed up things considerably, I would say. Agreed. Absolutely. Yes, we're all in agreement there. was an interesting post by a guy called Juan from Forward Keys where he posted about the African airlines investing fairly heavily in, in very good fuel efficient and better than we expect type of aircrafts in the market. And it was an interesting story for me to read because we might have these views that um, some of those airlines might operate very old, uh, inefficient aircraft. It's not great for the environment, but it's it's quite the opposite. And they are actually very focused on that. And that's why I wanted to include that story. I don't know what you guys made of it. Like you, it made me it made me happy. And, and I'm not really surprised because I think that we see again and again that African airlines and African travel industry players actually leapfrog. And it's very similar to what we saw with the development with the mobile phone. You sort of go straight to mobile, skip a few in-between steps. And uh, that's my general impression of, of the about the African continent. So very happy to see that story. Yeah, it's kind of like it's always better to be late to the party. 
you know, if you come too early to the party, then you have to sit there and wait for all the food to come out and the drinks to get uh, served and stuff like that. But if you come later, then everything's already flowing. So it's a much better situation. <laughs> Absolutely. There's another T-shirt. Yep. Yeah. Always, always come late to the party. Well, that's what Anne did for my party when she came to my barbecue. She came a little bit later. So everything everything was flowing by then. <laughs> and that was a great barbecue, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Blame it on Amtrak, though. Blame it on Amtrak. Everybody blames it on Amtrak. My next story was an interesting one about Airbus. They recently held a press conference guy that covered the story where I saw it as Dirk Singer. He's, he posted about the fact that at that press briefing, they made some interesting claims. And one of them is that they will add a little bit of width to the aircraft body, a little bit being literally four inches. And that's going to result in making the A350 more uh, sustainable, they say, because they can add 30 extra seats to the aircraft. So yeah, it, it's a Amazing how that small amount of additional space on the body can add all those seats. Interesting or not, Anne? Was it worth posting about? I found it fascinating. I mean, four inches and 30 seats. Uh, and, and of course, I mean, I don't know enough about, you know, I don't know anything really operational, but just sim- simply fascinating. And this is a really sensitive topic, actually, in North America these days, because there is a lot of effort be, uh, behind this conversation from the FAA, because the FAA was uh, instructed by Congress uh, about five years ago to take action on this very important topic. And I'm not specifically talking about this story, but I'm talking about the idea of seats in general. Because of that, there was a lot of simulations done around safety and other things like that. But the long and short of it is that there is a push by airlines to, of course, decrease the seat size, but here in North America specifically, the average human cannot sit in these seats anymore. And the airlines have scrunched the seats up. So this is the reverse of that story where they're saying, hey, we can add more inches. So this will be a very welcome conversation. And this is probably what's going to lead United Airlines to purchase Airbus instead of Boeing down the line. As you are predicting, us. How do you how do you like me adding that story to the story? That's no, cool, it's huh? great. And it adds <laughs> to your view on Boeing is finished, right? Was that the t-shirt from last week? I don't know if I said that exactly. <laughs> we'll have to go to tape. <laughs> Fair enough. Speaking of seats on the aircraft and uh, where to sit, I, I mean, I absolutely love the story. And so did you, Anne, because it's actually your post where you talked about, you want to tell us, why don't you tell us what uh, Virgin Australia is doing there to get you into the middle seat? Yeah, I thought it was just absolutely brilliant. And that made my day. And I thought really innovative. And as you know, I am a carrot believer. I'm not a stick believer. And uh, and this is that the, the passengers who are willing to take uh, and book uh, a middle seat take part of a lottery. And, and I thought this was just genius. I, it was just absolutely brilliant. And it shows innovation. And uh, I, I really I like this. I love it. Ash, would you sit in the middle seat if you could be part of a lottery? The story seems so gimmicky to me. <laughs> it's so gimmicky. It's like Virgin Australia will do anything to get some headlines for themselves. Oh, and, no, you know, I'm they're sure. kind of on the tail end of being bought by Air New Zealand, in my opinion. But we'll see how that plays out. But, you know, they're just so desperate for, for attention and for help that they'll do anything. If you want to solve middle seats, you know, lottery, really, like, you know, what, 145000 US dollars was 
some of the numbers out there. I just find it to be such a weak way to handle a really, really important topic. How would you get people excited to be flying in a middle seat? No, you give them a lower airfare, Uh right? I mean, if if I'm buying a middle seat, you encourage me by saying, hey, you will always have $50 less on your airfare at any given point in time compared to anything else in economy because of the middle seat. But I don't think they can control it. I think it's really hard to keep that in control because yeah, sure. I might right I might book that seat yeah. in the beginning and then I switch later right how do you yeah. know if I'm going to stay in there or not stay in there so it's one of those scenarios that I think that they've probably looked into I'm sure I'm not a genius by making this comment but there has to be a better way to encourage and then the other thing is that everybody in the plane must know that you're getting this right and this lottery thing it's like oh down the line it's not immediate there's no gratification but if you knew everybody in the middle seat was getting an extra perk that you didn't get and there's no way you could get it other than that middle seat sitting there physically in that day and that time i mean that that's that's how you solve it right you make them you make that middle seat special somehow yeah you make it special and and the thing is that i think if you sort of get lottery tickets sort of you 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 can add them up right i think that's absolutely brilliant and i mean for someone like me i mean i look at a, a seat and i fall asleep so i really don't care you know, and I don't think, I'm not so sure that the first thing would work, but of course you could potentially give a middle seat for free. You know, you never pay for a middle seat, That is, but it's it's not as exciting as a lottery, is it? I mean, I really like the lottery thing. I, I, it sort of I engages do. me. I, I like <laughs> it as well. But I mean, of course, you know, and every flight with Ash is a lottery. So, you know. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Thank you for those joining us in the audience. Again, it's very nice to see some familiar faces. Uh, once again, Sue, we've got to see you joined us as well. It's great to see you guys. Deepak, thank you for thumbs up there with uh, Asha's story. My next one was about Lufthansa and their financial results that they've posted. And not only that, also their outlook, that they are very, very optimistic about a future outlook and a growth in travel. And that was really nice to see. Um, so not only do they do well, but they're also very optimistic about the, the future. And these are really encouraging numbers, right? And it's, it's nice to see the airlines being so optimistic about the future. Oh, it is. I mean, it really makes us happy. I thought what was interesting in the article was uh, especially Eurowings targeting business travel segment. That was interesting because, I mean, I always thought that it would make perfect sense to utilize Eurowings much more on the short haul basis uh, to connect to long haul in, in Europe. Quarter three seems to be a good quarter for a lot of airlines and a lot of hotels. I just see report after report where Q3 is great, Q3 is great, you know, we're doing well. So I think this is just a case of the tide is rising and and everybody's benefiting. Yeah. Okay, good. So this is our future story for the week. It caused quite a lot of discussion. And this is about the American Airlines uh, distribution deals that they've announced with all the with all the GDSs. Darren Warren from uh, Navitas Solutions, specialist working with um, the GDSs and TMCs to provide um, tools and solutions to the um, work process for TMCs, online and offline, and uh, leisure and business travel agents. I saw this story last week from BTN, and it just kind of sparked interest. For all those years of NDC, and you know, when it came out 10, 12 years ago, it did spark our interest, and it's something we looked at and think, is this something we need to jump on ourselves? A bit like Ash was saying about being a start of the party or waiting for the party to start, we kind of held back and went, okay, let's see what's going to happen here, because although all the talk of the disruption in the industry and those kind of things, my strong belief was that there's no way the GDS is actually going to sit back and do nothing and just let them become, sales become obsolete. Something was going to happen along the line to, to ensure that they stayed in the pit 
picture and had their big piece of the pie. So this was, this story came out and I was like, oh, there's the proof that we weren't wrong. And the, yes, the, the GDSs are clearly, um, as they have been for some time, kind of getting their feet in the water with NDC. But this was a real first one that looked really interesting of a, uh, a distinct um, message of coming through that the uh, NDC content is uh, strong and live on the GDS environment. Um, and it was interesting how that's going to affect things, especially for, for some a lot of the aggregators that are out there now that the TMCs have adopted or the TMCs that have made that large investment themselves um, within DC and how that's going to pan out um, and, and, and that side of things, really. So I, I thought it was quite interesting. It was. It was a fascinating story and it caused a lot of discussion, you know, and it, it, it was it was great to see. The thing that stood out for me was American Airlines talking about the cost of the investment and their commitment to continuing to invest in NDC, but at this sort of level playing field. They want to make sure there's participation in all channels. And I think that was great to, to see that from them. And I know you're a slightly more pessimistic about the the GDS side of things, but um, you you obviously saw what American Airlines did there. What is your take on the story? Well, of course, I you know I really admire American Airlines for doing this because, as you know, I'm an avid supporter for it should be about content. That's what it should be all about. I mean, I'm not saying that we should not uh, in any way that you know it's about cost and and it's also about control. You know, the famous three C's. But there should be a win-win when, when I book. And, and we should promote and make technology more progressive and, and the customer experience should be enhanced and so much better. So, so that's, of course, I really like what I see with American Airlines. As for the GDSs, yes, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not as optimistic as, um, I mean, we tend to sort of disagree on this. I, I really worry that once the... GDSs control this yet again or control distribution that we will go back to the same cost for that NDC content as it, as it is for GDS distribution cost. That's my concern. Yeah, it's uh, interesting, you know, how we differ and all that. So uh, time will tell. Ash, what is your take on it? This is expected, right? As far as, you know, American Airlines being available and all the GDSs, I mean, there was never any news prior to this that would ever not be the case. So this is good. And then as an extension of that, you know, that they're going to be working with the GDSs and pushing their NDC content and all that other stuff that comes along with it. So that's all good stuff. It all comes down to how you use the GDS, right? I think there's been so many pushes towards moving in a direction that is non-GDS in one form or the other. And sometimes those conversations get a little controversial because of the nature of that comment. But at the same time, I think it's important, as Anne said, that the GDSs have to evolve. And sometimes these pushes help them evolve. At the end of the day, we all need the GDS. I think there's a lot of value that the GDS provides. But sometimes because of the fact that TMCs depend on the GDS so much that they really maximize the use of the GDS to their disadvantage because the GDS is not good at everything that people use it for. Sure, shopping is there. That's great. Um, being able to get content is great. But is it great for everything else that a TMC uses a GDS for? And I would say probably not. The number one area of that category would be like a profile system of a traveler, right? Putting that in the GDS, it definitely weakens the ability to use that data. So all of that, I think, is uh, moving in the right direction. And I think that sometimes we are too edgy and we want things to happen really quickly, but they don't happen really quickly. So this is just American Airlines saying, hey, you know, we're going to keep our process flowing and we have a lot other more important things to worry about than whether we're going to be controversial or not. But um, it's up to the TMCs now to say, okay, how am I going to consume that data? And then 
that's where I think the difference is. And all of this always connects to the same story, which is that, you know, if you flip the financial model, everything else works well. It's all true, um, Ash. And I also think that the, the, the seriousness with which American Airlines is doing this and the, the forward vision they're taking here is, is adding sensible you know a sensible outlook and approach on this which is really welcomed like you say it's not just gunshot approach and doing whatever they want to be different they're doing this very sensibly and um, and to your point I, I i do agree with you i love the fact that they're focusing here on the content and what they want to get out in the chain so that's that's brilliant they have to do it sensibly, Riyadh, because you look at their competitor, the, their mm-hmm. main competitor is United Airlines and look mm-hmm. at all the things United has done over the last you know, one year. So they have to take these really yeah. sensible actions. And to your point, Ash, I would, I would like to say that, you know, there is also a, what do we call content? And I would really like to see the moves like like you were saying about profiles should be easily, we should be able to easily export pr- profiles and there should be, you know, no hindrance there. You should have pro- products like a wallet concept. You should have corporate wallets. You know, we are discussing the possibility for agents to actually change and make amendments on the PSS. Of course, not directly. There has to be some kind of orchestrated interface in between, but kind of move towards a customer centricity. And I couldn't agree with you more that United is that they've clearly invested in their digital performance. And, um, you know, you have to do something uh, about that. And and again, I, I do believe in, in the carrot and not the stick. So, yeah, very good story. And Darren, thank you for posting about that and, and bringing it to uh, to us. Um, and thanks for joining mm-hmm. us today. No worries. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Darren. Appreciate you being here too. Thank you. Thank you so much, Darren. I do have one extra story which kind of popped up today, which I actually posted about as well, which we'll probably discuss more details next week as it it reveals. I've read it now in two different publications that the IAG, the International Airline Group, owns, you know, amongst others, um, British Airways and Iberia. They're also now shopping for another airline. And it looks like they might express quite a strong interest in EasyJet. So shares on both of those companies have ended up strongly. Of course, TAP uh, Air Portugal is also up for sale. And I think we mentioned that last week that Air France KLM are likely contenders there. But there's probably a bit of um, interest there, even from the IG group into that uh, TAP you know, business as well. So I think very interesting times ahead in the European airline consolidation space, right? And I think this is very interesting for you as well. You've been you know, mm. talking to me about this and it's it's fascinating. And it would be very interesting to see what's the what's the fallout here, right? It is very interesting. And we are seeing the consolidations. And, you know, like you said, we've been talking about it for a long time. And it is very much needed, isn't it? I mean, you know, we've been saying for as long as I've known you, we've been talking about how there are too many airlines Mm-hmm. in Europe. I mean, that's just a fact, isn't it? But the what was interesting about this one is in particular is, of course, EasyJet. Wow. Um, I know. that That's just like mind-boggling. Yes. Yes, I know. Mm-hmm. What is your gut feeling? Do you think IAG might end up with EasyJet or is it too big a, too big a monster for them to take on? Yes, I, I agree with that. I think I think that there's well, almost too much overlap. Yeah, I don't see. I, I would see the tap acquisition more strategically aligned. Yes. Uh, I think yeah, easier is just too much overlap. Like, would it be allowed? Almost um, takes away too much competition. I think. Um, Can you imagine so, yeah, what a premium think, they'll pay on that anyway? It will be fairly expensive exactly. as well. Yeah. But but isn't it isn't it the ideal feeder to all the long haul traffic of IAG? I mean, it would be it, it would be the and and especially if you can then move to virtual interlining like easy. Jess is already doing. I, I would love to figure out that business case and the cost savings on that.
And this is something that Anne has been talking about. And I was really excited to see this actually play out because I talked about this story on my podcast. And this has to do with Viva Air uh, working with uh, Dohop. And uh, Viva Air, you know, small, low-cost airline out of Colombia, they're working with uh, travel technology provider Dohop. And really what this allows a traveler to do is to be able to purchase uh, multi-leg uh, trips across different airlines, not just Viva Air. So you can add Viva to almost any other airline. And the platform allows the traveler to book all the ancillary services like baggage and flight services and other things in one experience. So, and I know you've talked about Dohop in the past quite a bit, and I didn't quite, I mean, I, I heard you, but I didn't quite see the amazing value. And then all of a sudden I see this story and I'm like, oh my God, this makes all the sense in the world. It does, doesn't it? And yeah. <clears throat> financially, of course, the uh, the savings that you can make. I mean, sadly, interlining and, and coach share is horrendously expensive. <clears throat> it's from every aspect and every angle of it. So uh, finding a you know more economical way uh, for the concept, of course, is you know it's it's, it's in everyone's interest. I I would say yeah, so, so I'm I'm happy about that too. Ash, what you're saying is that uh, whatever answers eventually makes sense, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Once it starts to play out in reality, right? I mean, and I think has insights into things that we all don't really know is happening until it happens. And then when yeah. it happens, we're like, oh my God, it's happening. And yes. that's when we get excited. But Anne was excited like two months ago because <laughs> she saw the writing on the wall. That's right. There's our t-shirt. Anne. Anne sees the writing on the wall. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> oh, I'm, so, I'm chuffed. My own t-shirt. Oh, that's Excellent. brilliant. <laughs> I've just had the uh, Malaysian Airlines and travel ports for the NDC content. That yes. was something that caught my attention during the week. I really don't, I never managed to sort of suss out what NDC content from Malaysian is. Uh, but uh, of course, it's, you know, it's interesting because you, the Asian carriers have, are not as, as high performing when it comes to NDC. When you question the NDC content of Malaysia, is it not just down to fares and not anything else? Yeah, I wonder. I haven't been able to figure it out, okay. whether it's fares or it's more than fares. And are they working uh, with anybody else? Or are they working with the aggregators? I haven't really seen that. Mm. And I tried to sort of keep tabs on that, but, but I haven't seen it. And, and, you know, as we are seeing, though, we definitely see a change where it's pretty much fares first now, get that out. And then there's a focus on anything else they can do. So maybe that's the same approach there. But it would be good to know and uh, and find out. Yes. Yeah. In in general, it's really interesting with with these articles in the press because they they tend to say very little. Uh, I'm I'm really looking for a description or more transparency on what does that mean and what are the next steps and uh, what do they expect from uh, this launch, uh, etc., yeah. etc. It's very vague um, in, well. in general. I just want to say to those in the audience again, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, this was great. We do this weekly and um, really appreciate your participation. So thank you very much from my side. Thank you, everybody. And especially thank you, Darren. See you next week. And thank you all for joining today's session. We host this LinkedIn audio call every week on Monday, and it is all about linking the travel industry. Please share this event with everybody that you know. We hope you enjoyed this session. And if you did, chances are high that they will as well. So please tell everybody about it. And for those who cannot make it because of time zone or availability, this session is available as a podcast on Business Travel 360. This is Linking the Travel Industry, signing off. <laughs>